Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Billie Jean King Cup special, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Garcia holds off Balter's best. Cornet downs Harriet Dart. And Radicani's absence is under the spotlight. Kim, Chris, today is the 14th of April and we are here to catch up on all the action from the Billie Jean King Cup qualifiers, Great Britain versus France. And it is a very special time for the podcast because we are not recording virtually at Tennis Weekly HQ. Oh no, we are in the lovely city of Coventry. We are indeed. And we have a lovely view of the cathedral. (laughs) Well, you say lovely view. Uh, This has actually already been a source of contention, listeners, because Kim booked the accommodation. It said cathedral view in the description. And Chris, the cathedral view, it's underwhelming at best. I'm still looking for the cathedral, Joel. (laughs) I've, I've really tried to find it. Kim says that you can clearly see it. All I saw was a tree. There's a spire outside the balcony Where is the window. Spire? I, I can't see any sort of spire. In the nice uh, sunny dawn of tomorrow, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. I'll point <laughs> it out to you. But um, no, we are here though. And that's the main thing all together, which is lovely. We've seen some live tennis. Also lovely. Some great tennis, which we'll uh, be getting on to Lots in of tie breaks. Look, five tie breaks today. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen so many... Mm all in a row uh, live at, at tennis before. That's been the story of the day, isn't it? Tie breaks. Um, but before we get onto the actual tennis, I suppose there is a bit of an elephant in the room um, in terms of before play even begun at the tie. Chris, you very kindly came to Coventry before me and Joel did. You were at the press day yesterday where the teams had their uh, first kind of press conferences. And um, you, well, it, there was a, a obviously question asked about why a certain Emma Raducanu was not uh, in attendance. She's she's not playing the tie. She's playing Stuttgart, which starts um, next week. And Ankyothfong had a few things to say about it. Ankyothfong being the Team GP's, uh, you know, Billie Jean King Cup captain. Uh, when it came to Emma Raducanu's absence, uh, so let's firstly have a listen to what Anne had to say. She sounded a bit tense and a bit angry, didn't she, in, when that sort of topic came up? It was almost, almost a sore spot, I feel. I think in the room we were all a little bit surprised because we've all kind of been impressed with Anne before and she tends to be pretty level with what she says and doesn't give anything away. Uh, and I think she wanted to, to be known 
that Raducanu did not make herself available. Um, and also around those comments of Raducanu not knowing when this tie was being played. I mean, it is the same. Oh, she would have known. Oh, I think she would have. And it's probably just as we talked about a flippant comment. But uh, you do think that it probably doesn't help the fact that she's not here and didn't know when it was when it's actually the same uh, time every year. And it's the same clash because of her sponsor uh, is Porsche. And it's the Porsche Grand yeah, Prix. Out, yeah. So I think it's... um. A little bit of an awkward one, and I do think that it is true that Emma does want to be part of the team, but I think right now um, it's not the priority. I know. I mean, we'll get on to what I think is so awkward because Caroline Garcia is here and she's playing Stuttgart, but she's also she's also playing for, for France. But, I mean, just talking on, on Raducanu, do you feel like the Raducanu conversation in the build-up to this tie, do you feel like it's overshadowed the tie itself? I know she's like the hottest thing since sliced bread, it feels like. Um, do you feel like it's overshadowed the tie somewhat in the in the build-up? I think it might have done. And I think actually it's a bit of a disservice to the team that, that we do have, um, you know, for Great Britain, because it's the same team that played in the cup finals in Glasgow. November in Glasgow, yeah. which you both went to. They got to the semi-finals. They did super well, uh, probably exceeding expectations. And I think it's probably taken a bit away from their achievements from from last year. And, you know, we saw today they didn't quite manage to get the job done um, in the singles matches. But, you know, we saw very valiant efforts from, from both players. But so I think it's a shame maybe that um, the Raducanu issue has, has come mm. up. But it's something that we certainly have to address because many people listening might be wondering, you know, where on earth is she? She's your number one ranked singles player for, mm. for GB. I mean, arguably, you could say... I mean, there is talk about like, where is Emma Raducanu? But there's also been similar murmurings about other British players. Jodie Burridge, for example. Yeah, Jodie Burridge has had a, a really great run of form. And that question was also asked. And Anne said that her selection had to come in before some of uh, Jodie's best results had come in on the, the ITF tour. So I think it, I don't necessarily think that um, that's that great an answer because she was missing last time and she was someone who could have been selected. Uh, so you have to feel that if you're kind of a Katie Swan, a Jodie Burridge, or even a Fran Jones, who's the only British player to make a semi-final this year, you have to be asking a couple of questions as to whether this is the strongest team. But then again, as Kim said, it's been very close. Do you feel like there is an argument to say, like with the selection, is there an argument to say around like it being sentimental to the team and the fact, you know, the, the successes they had in Glasgow last year and as a result of that they're like okay let's see what they can do again or do you think this genuinely is like the best team that we could put out I think when we get onto the tennis we will talk about kind of Katie Bolter mm. but she is someone who can play against the top players very very yeah. well so she had some big wins that makes perfect sense to me um Harriet Dart played so well um last year um in the Billie Jean King Cup uh, finals and then the doubles pair of Olivia and Alicia also played well so when you look at it you can understand why you would select that but obviously it has to be addressed because you haven't picked your top two uh, players for your country. Let's uh, let's listen to what Caroline Garcia had to say about it because she was also asked about Raducanu's decision making um, so we can hear from her just now. Yeah, 
So Garcia there saying, obviously it wasn't, it's not ideal that um, Emma's, Emma's not playing, but I guess ultimately it is Emma's decision at the end of the day. And, um, you know, we were talking about Garcia having to go off to Stuttgart, but actually she, um, you know, the play finishes tomorrow to Saturday, probably not playing in Stuttgart till perhaps Wednesday. So still got a good few days. It's, it's quite feasible to do both, um, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, she was, in- it was interesting to hear her say, we adapt and I liked that approach that she gave and you know her ability I think to take tennis you know week by week we know there are always kind of going to be scheduling issues and yes there are Billie Jean King Cup qualifiers on clay and it it perfectly matches up to you know the the clay swing that's come in but I liked her kind of readiness to be like well you know it's not everything is in my favor it's not completely integrated with my schedule but I love playing for my team I love playing for my country and you know that's that's enough for me regardless of it being on an indoor hard court so I actually really liked how she said that and is is kind of like taking on the conditions as they come and she hasn't played a match on clay yet so I think it does show mm. just how committed she is to the team and the fact yeah. that she says you know what I'll adapt and Stuttgart is a tournament where it does suit her game it's indoors it's quick um, but on, on the court, uh, it was very slow. So maybe this I is know, a bit of clay I practice. It, it, I know, for me, it was almost like a little bit ironic because I feel like a surprise to us certainly was how slow the court, it was almost like a clay court. The, the, the match times were giving me flashbacks to Nadal versus Zverev uh, at the, in the Roland Garros final, uh, you know, last year, given, I mean, just for example, the, what the dart match, dart Cornet two complete sets took over two hours 20 minutes i don't think i've seen a completed straight sets match take that long before yeah and i mean garcia against Balter, those three tie break sets three mm. hours and 26 minutes so um yeah absolutely i was thinking this is like <laughs> rafa on a clay court you know <laughs> at roland garros like that that semi-final against Zverev last year but um yeah i mean let's talk about the garcia Balter match to begin with because First match of the day, always going to be quite an intriguing encounter, I think. Um, given that we know Katie Porter can perform very well against top players. We saw that at Wimbledon last year when she took out Karolina Pliskova on centre court. Uh, and she in... ran Sabalenka really close. Absolutely. Uh, I always think about that match. I was there for it. But yeah, as you said, it shows the level that she can play at. And she was during the, the match against Garcia today. She was also pushing that level. Yeah, she was a break up in that first set um got broken back went to a tie break took that first set and then very similar fashion actually in the second set but it was Garcia this time that went a break up um lost the break went to another tie break Garcia cl- clinching that one and then in that final set uh Katie pulled her up again a break Garcia breaking back uh, Garcia having yeah ebbing and, ebbing and flowing uh, Katie Balter did really well to take it into a last set tie break because she did save a match point um, at 5-4 but I mean I think you know she was obviously very disappointed that she wasn't able to come out on top given that it was so close and you know Garcia impressed was also very much like it just came down to a few points it it's almost luck of the draw in, in a way because it's such fine margins yeah I think that match was very high quality it was 
very entertaining from the off. Um, some great serving attributes were on display, but also um, they're both players that could really go after the ball. Um, and that was something that no matter what the scoreline was, if they were down, if they were up, they still kept their commitment to making those shots. And uh, that made for some really entertaining tennis. And I think because they are the bigger hitters who are playing today um, and the court was slow, that was by far kind of the most entertaining and kind of interesting from that perspective. But from a Katie Bilter perspective, it does kind of always beg the question, if you can play this well, why can't we see this all the time? Well, well just on that. Does it make her one of the most frustrating players on the WTA tour in the British setup, given the level that she shows? But it feels like injuries you know, always seem to get the better of her. She's never able to build momentum over a long enough period of time. And yes, we get these glimpses, particularly in the team environments, which I think is very interesting to see. But we don't necessarily see it on the tour. Yeah, I think that is it's a strange one. Um, she talked- I don't understand. Well, she has the game and we talked about like if she was fit and if she was playing regularly at the level we see on the tour. I mean, she's push, pushing the world number five, three hours, 26, three tiebreak sets. That is mm. top 10 tennis. Um, and I think she said in her press conference, she's been playing even better in practice. So it kind of begs the question that obviously she's been very unlucky at times, but if you can bring it out in the practice court, how come you can't bring it out in a match situation um, on on the weekly? So... Um, I think that that is a difficult kind of situation for her because I'm sure she might be struggling for some of the answers there. But either way, when it comes to selection, she made it clear that she was the right choice because pushing the world number five in the way that she did and playing the way that she did um, absolutely justifies her position in the team. Yeah, I mean, given that there are other British, uh, you know, female players like Jodie Burridge, Katie Swan actually physically ranked higher than her. But Balter, we know on these sort of high pressure occasions, top matches, she has been known to deliver, I guess, more so than those other players. So I think absolutely the right decision to um, have her in the team and to play her in this match. Um, But it just came down to, you know, a few points here and there. And Garcia really just upping it in that last set tie break. She said, you know, that she just became even more aggressive, Um, which again makes me think, why didn't you do that earlier in the in the in the match? You might not have needed to go to a last set tie break. Um, But it's all, you know, if if players could play their absolute best all the time, then then they would. There's a whole load of reasons why um, that, you know, people can't always perform to their highest level in every situation um we did actually speak to uh, garcia after the match um on whether victory after a long match uh, you know feels even sweeter uh, than than a short one is it um extra sweet to win such a close match that was so tightly contested uh i always take a 6-3 6-3 win but if i have to fight and try to to push my limits, uh, I, I do it, and I'm, I'm very happy with the wind. Um, of course, it was a great challenge uh, for me, and I tried to push my limits because of the match was super tight. Then I got super frustrated, and it was it was really like trying to find a solution, uh, even when the solution was tiny. And uh, of course, um, it's it's a great win for me, for my confidence, and uh, yeah, it proves you that mentally you're stronger than you think. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that answer. I thought it would be absolutely so pleased to have got it done, um, to be on the right side of the victory. But she was actually like, you know what, if it could be 6-3, 6-3, that would be ideal. And then we spoke <laughs> afterwards and thought, well, why not 6-love, six 6-love? Six Save yourself a lot of time and then get yourself in peak physical condition going into the clay next week. So not ideal for her playing three hours and 26 minutes because 
if she's playing tomorrow in the doubles, doubles that's yeah. a question we have to look at. It might be one where uh, the three hours and 26 she's spent on court might actually hinder some of her progress because you don't often play th- potentially three matches before you start a major tournament. Yeah. And, I, and what I actually liked about hearing Garcia in press was her, you know, she was asked about was she surprised by Katie Balter's level that she brought to court? And she said no. Um, you know, she knows that she is a very, on her day, a very, very tough competitor. And, you know, we, you know, we absolutely saw that today. I feel like her serving was one of the key attributes that got her through, particularly, you know, in those, those tight moments. But I mean, it was just great, I think, to see her back to kind of where she belongs in that sort of top five category. It was great. I feel like her as well, interacting with the crowd, the French crowd, the British fans, it just created a great atmosphere for the match. And as you said, it was one where it felt like points were ending on winners more so than unforced errors. Absolutely. And I have to ask Kim, uh, you've witnessed the Renaissance in the flesh. What did you make of it? (laughs) I was very impressed by the Renaissance's uh, Coventry themed nails, actually. Yes. The sky blue nails, wasn't it? Sky blue nails. I wanted to ask, you know, was that because she knew that Coventry, like, that's the city colours, the football Mm. team? Maybe she's a closet Coventry Coventry City fan. Possibly. I mean, the, the tennis is being played yes. next to the football stadium. It's in the same <laughs> complex. So, yeah, I thought that was a, a, a funny little detail that I noticed. But, um, yeah, it was it, fantastic to see the match, um, you know, to see, you know, to see Garcia play mm. and to have such a fantastic match, actually. You know, it was quite a long one. We, we, were, we needed a good cup of tea afterwards. Um, but it was well worth it. And like you said, it was a good quality match, not, not one that's ebbing and flowing and going on because of, poor performances it was um very high standard and very enjoyable just on katie balter where does this put her in terms of like your perception of her does it just make her even more frustrating to know her ability and you know we don't see that on the tour because her last match against a french player she she lost to like the french number number nine out in a you know in the middle of what was it in the middle of nowhere on a on a on a hard court and now she can then almost like flick a switch and then do this against Caroline Garcia. I mean, they did beg the question if Caroline Garcia was the right pick for this match <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. maybe they should have got Margot Ravoy to play because she managed to take her out in straight sets. Yeah. So it is night and day, isn't it? Between it is night and day and these, and these setups. And to kind of to wrap up the the chat on Katie, I think it's one where she said she's going to hit her shot, she's going to go for them, she's going to miss them some days, and she's going to do a really. Um, a really good job at trying to do her best no matter what, but it's not always going to go swimmingly for her. Let's take a very quick break, but we'll be back in the second half talking about Harriet Dart against Elise Corne, which was our second match of the day. So uh, do not go anywhere. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Now we're going to look at Cornet against Dart. So our second match of the day. Uh, more tie breaks. More tie breaks, but only two this time. <laughs> <laughs> we were, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty thankful this didn't didn't go to a third. Yeah. Is, is that a bit negative of me no. as a Bridge GB fan? <laughs> we obviously want Team GB to, to win and to, to, to do well, but um, I think when it got to uh, two almost two and a half mm. hours of play, I think, you know, we're getting into the depths of the second set thinking oh yeah this could go really late if if they do go to a third um but it wasn't to be because you know Elise Cornet stepping it up in that second set tie break to take it quite comfortably uh seven three in the end so it was just shy of two and a half ma- hours that match um shame though because Harry Dart you know got off to a positive start she she went a break up um and she had a set point in that first set, didn't she, Chris? And very, very fine margins. What 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 went wrong for Dart in that tie break, which, you know, prevented her from capturing that set? I think it was probably the forehand, if we're being honest. I think we all made this comment that the backhand is so solid and she can do so much damage with it and she can do more than just redirect. And I feel like on the forehand, the nature... It's a rally the, shot. It doesn't put the pressure on. Um, and I think Cornet is someone who also isn't known for having the biggest game of both wings. And it was like playing a slightly better version of herself, really. They're both great movers. Uh, there was some fantastic retrieval from both of them. But when it came down to it, there's a bit more weight of shot and a bit more consistency um, from Cornet. Yeah, I mean, Cornet's defence throughout that match, I thought, was fantastic. And everything Dart threw at her, I think Cornet you know, given the amount of experience she's had over, you know, over the years on the tour was just able to kind of take in and, um, you know, maneuver dart into a position where often more often than not, um, she was winning the point. Um, but it was to me, although kind of obviously a very similar score lines in the sense, in one sense with the tie breaks to Garcia Bolter, this to me felt much more of kind of an attritional battle from the baseline who was going to make the first error as opposed to who was going to take the initiative and hit the winner. Yeah, and I think um, especially the attritional element of that was very present in a particular point of the tie break. I think it was at five all. Um, and then over my shoulder, uh, I spotted that Caroline Garcia herself <laughs> was actually watching it with Were us from the media struck? center. Um, it actually felt very natural, you know, to be watching it uh, amongst the French as well. I felt it added to the uh, the atmosphere that was there. But um, it was a point where everyone just sort of we were stopped gasping. what they were doing and watching the screen because it was a really and she missed tense it. point. And she had to, I had to explain to her how good a point it was. I had to call it <laughs> epic, which I think um, wasn't my most eloquent, uh, but I did manage to communicate that it was a very good point. <laughs> and then um, I managed to say to her how many tie breaks we played and she was very, she agreed it was very unusual. At least unusual. you got some words out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, uh, maybe next time we'll see if we can watch, um, hopefully, a live second singles. Maybe she'll have to listen to this podcast to catch up on what she missed. Uh, but yes, uh, yeah, that was that was nice. And actually, talking about atmosphere, you know, it was a really good atmosphere in the arena with with both sets of fans. Like the French brought, uh, you know, a, a very vocal crowd over. 
Um, there was obviously a brass band for the Brits, which was, um, yeah, really good. Like, it was almost, well, a sellout, wasn't I, it? Really all I vibe. will say is about the, the crowd and the stadium, the big heads, the big heads, the cardboard cutout heads. Did, did they, I think I'm going to have nightmares tonight or they're just, they're, they're a bit freaky to me. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. If I was like <laughs> Heather Watson, Harriet Dart, etc., I don't think I'd want my yeah. head on a massive bit of cardboard. But I'm sure they're used to, you know, their face. I being... did. Want, I'm not gonna lie. A split second, I did wonder: would this look good for the Tennis Weekly podcast with our heads like blown up into kind of a two? So- and then I was like, no, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I think we'll, think we'll uh, leave that one. Uh, <laughs> put, oh, I did bed a little bit. But um, yeah, so I mean, in the end, Cornet came through. France are 2-0 two, two up, um, which means that tomorrow we have a we have the doubles tie to start with um, at midday. That's that's obviously a live rubber. We've got Olivia Nichols and Alicia Barnett for Team GB. They will be up against Garcia and Mladenovic, who are the reigning French Open doubles champions. Um, so... Very, very tough task to ask of the British girls. But, you know, they've had really good results together on court. They did very well at the Billie Jean King Cup finals in November. They they won their first um, title, I think, quite recently on the tour as well. Chris, what are you predicting for the doubles clash tomorrow? Do you think we're in with a good chance? Well, I think something that we know about these sort of ties is you never know who's going to be nominated to play on that second day. You almost have to scratch the draw that's been made because... It's hard to know if Garcia will be playing. They are 2 nil up. It might be one that she'll play the singles. Uh, or it could be one that she might think if we play our strongest doubles pairing, which is obviously Garcia and Madanovic, that maybe they can get it done and she can hop on that flight to Stuttgart. But uh, based on what I saw in uh, Glasgow, I think that players that play regularly together, and this was the reason why Anne Kjovathong did pick this pair is because they know each other's games inside out. Obviously, Garcia and Modanovic know each other very well, but they do not play week in, week out on the tour. So I do think it's anyone's game. I think the girls are very fired up. I spoke to them uh, actually in press prior to um, the tournament starting. You'll be hearing that a little bit later on, uh, on another episode. Um, But they live for these moments. And so I really think they're going to bring their A game. And we've seen how close it can be when players aren't ranked anywhere near each other. So it's all to play for and i think we're going to do it oh that is that is big i mean just 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 on that i think it's interesting just looking at the gb team as a whole because katie bolt has said it i think heather watson said it barnett and nichols have said it and they really kind of stress the the environment that they're in the support that they get and feeling like right at home to the point that it enables them to play to the best of their ability versus when they're on the tour and it can feel like you're alone, isolated in the middle, you know, in a country way, way far, far from home. Um, uh, yeah, to me, that was sort of, you know, interesting about that kind of support network. And is is it, I guess, is there a, not necessarily a criticism, but do you think all like the GB players... They play really, really well in their home comforts where they've got this really nice support set up, which is great. But is it almost like they need to do that, be able to do that away from home? And that's what the challenge is with going from these team environments into the tour. Yeah, I also think something that we talk about quite a lot, and I always look for the Brits in draws, 
Moyes scouring everything from WTA <laughs> yep. to one two fives to ITF, and I just always look for their names in draws. And I think they don't actually play as much as you'd think they would on the tour. Mm. I think that's something that Jodie Burrage has done particularly well. She's playing so much more um, than some of the players uh, by dropping down to the ITF levels. Actually, got her ranking up a lot. So um, I think it's about getting yourself match fit, playing as many matches as possible, and I think doing well in a very sort of uh, well-supported environment, I mean, obviously you'd expect that. You have all the home comforts as well as uh, all of the, the network of team and physios they talked about. But ultimately, um, that's not what life on tour is like. So I think you have to be able to do both. And that's something that I'd love to see um, lots more of the of the Brits playing in the 125s and playing in some of the, the bigger ITFs because I think that is what playing professional tennis is all about. It's about playing for as an individual on the tour on a weekly basis. And I I think there is there is one arguably if there is maybe one criticism of of some of the GB players. Yeah. The big the big match setup, the big match atmosphere, they absolutely thrive in that and you know we see that I think particularly with players like Katie Balter, you know, you think of her best performances for me it's in this sort of format and in grand slams as well. But yeah, can they do it in those kind of smaller tournaments when there's not as many eyeballs on them? There's still, I think, a little bit of a learning process in relation to that. But I feel like it's, you know, they're, they're all aware of this. But um, I think for me, it's almost been magnified coming to Coventry and realising actually the, the difference between the, the, you know, the tour setup and the kind of the team setup when you're playing for yourself versus playing for your country. Yeah, I and I think like Balter said in the press today, you know, she she felt like she was just having fun out there as well. And I think maybe when you do have your teammates around you, you can be a little bit more relaxed, enjoy it a bit more, and then you just, you know, hit more freely, play a bit more naturally, and that's also part of it and part of performing better. But let's just look quickly at what we've got. You know, tomorrow we've got the the doubles tight. If that you know, if that's a win for GB, we go on to having, you know, a, a live singles rubber as well, which uh, we've got potentially Caroline Garcia against Harriet Dahl and Elise Cornet against Katie Balter. Mm. You know, the exact lineups may change depending on how players are feeling and whether the rubbers are dead or alive. Um, but yeah, what's your, you know, France are 2-0 up. Quick word from both of you. What's your prediction for for tomorrow? Do you think GB can stage an epic comeback? I'm going to let Chris go first because I'm in, Actually, no, I'm going to go first because I'm just going to give the negative, pessimistic answer. I honestly think this is just, uh, we have given a very, very good account of ourselves so far. It has honestly, I think, been both matches a point here or there. But France have, France are just very, very tough. And I think, I think personally, I think we're going to be losing the doubles and it's going to be over 3-0. Or we're going to be at the dead rubber stage for the reverse singles. I, I'm going to be the optimist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that Olivia and Alicia are going to get the doubles. Um, and then I do think that Garcia is going to play the singles. I'm not convinced she will play the doubles personally. Um, and I think Garcia versus Dart, she's got way too much firepower on this court, I, I think. And although Dart has beaten some big hitters in uh, Bedosa, she did get hit off the court by Rabakina in Glasgow. So I, I do also think that, um, well, not unfortunately, but for... 
our French list is not unfortunately, but for a, a British interest, I do think that we're going to fall a little bit short because I do think that key match was the Dark Corner but match it's, today. It's fine because there's still a wild card available. We got the wild card last year. We're going to get the wild card this year if we need it. So, so it's all fine. It's all fine. <laughs> That's your bit of optimism <laughs> to end with. And we'll hopefully see more of the cathedral as well, won't we, Chris, tomorrow? <laughs> so I think that brings us to a close for tonight's episode. Um, and we'll be back uh, to bring more from from the action in Coventry soon. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our Billie Jean King Cup special GB versus France with the Tennis Weekly podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the ATP and WTA tours. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod or email us on tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back tomorrow at Tennis Weekly HQ to look back on day two of the GB versus France Billie Jean King Cup finals qualifier tie. I mean, that is a ridiculous mouthful, but I've said it anyway. But I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. Au revoir. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Exactly. And uh, it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.